0: Welcome back to Working Man's Pod. I'm Alex. I'm here with Dave, and we are so excited to introduce you all to what we're going to be doing over the next couple months for what is being billed as the Final Dead and Company tour. I think it is going to be the last tour, but I don't know. Dave, tell me what you think about this. There was a lot of speculation online when this tour was announced that they specifically said the last tour. And so people were saying like, oh, I bet they'll keep doing Playing in the Sand or like an event here or there.
1: Oh, like one-off things? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you have any opinion
0: about whether you think that will continue, or do you think this is uh, the last ride?
1: I think this is the last ride um, for two reasons. One, um, there seems to be different viewpoints in the band, as evidenced by Billy's departure. And two, I I don't know that Mayor wants to do this forever. There's kind of been rumors swirling the last when it got announced last year that last year might be the last tour. That like maybe mayor doesn't want to do it forever. Um, I could see mayor being more into the one-off shows, um, like him, like how he teamed up with Bob for that Montana acoustic show, yeah, um, last year. I I could see him being more into that, but yeah, I do think this is going to be like the last big run.
0: I agree. And for the
1: reasons that you just
0: said, I will add some color to my thoughts on that a little bit later on. But before I do, let's just dive right into what this concept is going to be. So these episodes, as you saw from the title, we're going to call them DNC in 23 course with WP that won't be yes. the title, but that's what we're calling them internally. <laughs> the idea of these is Dave and I both go to a lot of concerts. We've been to a lot of dead and co concerts and both of us get the sense that, um, we'd like to know what people think about the shows afterward, And so um, what we're going to do this year is we are going to make every effort that we can to do a couch tour, to listen to these shows as they happen. We might not be able to listen to all of it. You know, we are working men as the title of this podcast would indicate. Um, We have other responsibilities, but we're going to try to listen to as much as we can. And then the day after each show, we're going to come onto this feed and we're going to drop an episode that is 23 minutes or less where we talk about the show that just happened and preview the show to come. So, Um, The episodes are all going to follow a similar segment structure where we have basically three things that we talk about. We talk about the venue, we talk about the set list, and then we play a game that we are going to call Estimated Profits, where we prophesize about which songs are going to be played at the next show up. Not all of these episodes are going to involve both Dave and I. Some of them will just be Dave. Some of them will just be myself. Uh, Maybe sometimes we'll have a guest. I don't know. We'll kind of see how the summer unfolds, but we are going to just, you know, give it a go. Um, I know that some of you are probably not I know that some of you are not Dead & Company fans. You have no interest in their concert schedule. You don't really care about how these shows are going. And that's fine. We certainly are not going to ask you to come listen to those, but we we will offer the same fun banter that we usually do. And so if you want to tune in, even though you're not going to the shows, even if you're not interested in Dead & Co., by all means, come along for the ride. But these shows are going to have special artwork. These episodes are going to have a new logo, that is with them. So when you see them in your feed, you'll know immediately that it's a Dead and Company episode rather than our standard fare Grateful Dead episodes. If you want a preview of what that artwork is going to look like, go follow us on Instagram at pod. We're going to post a picture of it there and on our Twitter account at WorkingMansPod. Um, that will be the first look of what our new artwork is going to look like. We have a great artist that we have commissioned to do this work um, about half past dead is his name go follow him on instagram as well at about half past dead um and he does great work so we're really excited to see what he cooks up for us so um that's the general concept of what we're going to be doing over the next couple months again we'll have one episode about each and every show on the summer tour which kicks off may 19th at the la forum what else dave How, how are you feeling about this project
1: I'm feeling really excited about this. We kind of came up with the idea. Well, the idea has been kind of kicking around a little bit. And then it really kind of came to earnest um, coincidentally around the NFL draft a few weeks ago. Um, And I think when you look at all the coverage that like a couple networks can do on one singular event, I know that hit me in particular. It was like, this is maybe the last time if you believe dead and company, it is the last time. Where there will be like this big coming together to rally around one tour, one, you know, huge event with little ones along the way. And so I think it's important for us to give it a whirl and do something like this, because if this is the last tour, this is the last time we're going to do something like that. So I completely agree.
0: And this leads me to that's a really good job that you just did inadvertently team me up for two things that I (laughs) I would like to say about that. Number one, I agree. I think this is going to be the last tour. And actually, after Billy left Dead & Company because of what they called creative differences in the direction that the band should be moving, I don't think that we're going to get any more Dead & Company shows after this. Bill is a one-third owner or sorry, a one-fourth owner of the Dead & Company brand. I don't know why they would want to keep making him money for something that he's not doing. So, just like from that perspective, you know, I don't see it. Um, The other perspective is, I mean, Bob has his own successful solo touring act. John Mayer last year in um, 2022 was one of like the 30 biggest live concert draws in the world by himself. Um, He doesn't really need this. I do think he enjoys it though. Um, he said last year when he was on the, the all the Dead & Company shows, they do a halftime show. Um, David uh, Gans and Gary Lambert, who hosts Tales from the Golden Road on the t- Sirius um, Grateful Dead channel, they host a halftime show and they had John Mayer on for the, a show that Dave and I were at at City Field. He came on and one of the things he said just kind of like offhand was, I've been playing this music for long enough now and I will be playing it for so long that I don't really think about whether one show is going well or not. I just try to be as honest as I can when I'm up there and play the music honestly. He's been on a solo acoustic tour for the last few months and he's been playing a lot of dead songs. He played Ripple, Friend of the Devil, I think mm. both of those songs many times and he might have played others that I didn't catch but so I think that he is going to incorporate these songs into his own songbook but I'm not sure that he'll continue in a big thing like this which is a shame because he and Jeff Comenti, the synergy and the I, the je ne sais quoi of those two playing together is probably my favorite part of dead and company. And I will definitely miss those two um, jamming together, but you know, we'll see. We don't know what's to come. Right. We have no One idea. thing we do know though, is that the music will never stop. It doesn't matter if it's dead and co or if it's dark Star orchestra or J rad or dogs in a pile or whoever it may be. And countless other grateful dead cover bands that we will you know, we don't even know right now, probably some that have artists that aren't even born yet. This music will live on. Mm, Yeah. But the thing that I said, you just teed me up for is I do think that there's a chance that this will be the last like real big summer tour in these big sheds as they're called in the industry, um, places like Walnut Creek here in Raleigh where I am, um, or the PNC Bank in Charlotte near where Dave is, these um, SPAC, these big places where there's a big lawn and a ton of seats, and there's a massive shakedown street in the lot. I think that this may be one of the last hurrahs for that because there's not a band other than Dead & Co. that fills those up,
1: Yeah, that plays this music.
0: And so I think there will be smaller ones at other things like J-Rad and like the Dark Dark Star Orchestra, like Bob and the Wolf Bros., I think that we will still have these pockets where we all get to come together and we get to see each other and spend time together and, you know, do all the fun stuff that we love doing at these concerts and being with each other. But I do think that this is kind of the last hurrah for like a big outdoor summer touring extravaganza. And so that is partially why I think that this is going to be a really interesting tour for you and I to, you know, get to be a part of. We're going to go to a bunch of shows as well. So, uh, hopefully we'll run into some of you guys there. Um, we're going to be together in Atlanta and in Raleigh. Um, and then Dave, what other shows are you going to go to
1: Going to the Charlotte show? I'm no longer able to attend city field, but trying to get up to Philly, um, to stay with uncle Kyle and the gang and, and catch a show at citizens bank.
0: Beautiful. And then, um, I'm going to be going to one of the shows in San Francisco on the last weekend. Um, I, bought tickets, bought a flight. I thought that Saturday was going to be the last show because that's what it was supposed to be. And then they announced another show on Sunday. So I'm no longer going to the last Eden and Company show because I already have a flight home booked. Um, but I am going to the Saturday show. So that'll be a lot of fun. Um, we're both really looking forward to seeing seeing the gang in person we'll have, again this summer.
1: We'll have like moles or inside sources on a few other shows. I'll have family at the, the three night Folsom field run in Colorado. Um, so we'll get, we'll get firsthand reports from a good, good amount of these shows.
0: Yeah. We'll have our boots on the ground. And Hey, if you are boots on the ground at one of these shows and you have something that you want to tell us about that you think we should share on an episode, send us an email, um, yeah. Or, yeah. Com or reach out to us on one of those social media channels that we just plugged. We would love to hear from you. Again, we are going to record and post these episodes the morning after the shows, So you got to be quick if you want to get it onto the episode. (laughs) But there's also a chance that, you know, we're going to be going backward and we might say, "Okay, hey, while we're talking about this, you know, second show at Folsom Field, a note that just came in from one of the L.A. shows last month that we think is worth sharing is this. So share share with us, you know, part of the beauty of this this community is uh, sharing stuff like that with one another, the great tour stories and things like that. Um, And there are a bunch of great places where you can share those, the dead.net forums, the grateful dead Reddit page. There are a bunch of communities where you can share that stuff, but we hope that we can be one of them this summer as well.
1: Yeah. So, and Hey, speaking of collaborating with us and getting along estimated profits that segment about predicting the next shows, that's not limited to just Alex and I, that's again, just like everything you were saying, that's an open invitation for the community to play as well. Um, And we've got a little, little bit of an incentive for you um (laughs) if you're able to do as well or better than alex and i um by predicting the selections of like the next show um there might be a little something in it for you
0: yeah we will talk about what that something might be a little later on in this episode because we're going to play estimated profits today for the first show of the tour in la but um, before we get too deep in, because what we're going to do next is we're going to actually do this, what we're talking about, a and c in 23 episode about the Jazz Fest performance that happened over the weekend. We're recording this on Monday night, um, May 8th, a great day in Grateful Dead history. But we because we're recording it in the evening on the 8th, we haven't heard what Dead & Co are playing at Cornell. Um, so we're not going to talk about that show. We may come out with an episode about that between now and our next one. I learned earlier today that a friend of ours is there, Howard Weiner. Yes, um, I
1: saw that photo. I was surprised.
0: I was very excited. Yeah, he went last year um, to for the anniversary. He sent us a picture of him at Barton Hall, which was really yes. cool. Um, and then the first chapter of his new book, which just came out today, um, The Grateful Pilgrimage, um, which I, I read the, just the first chapter so far, but he talks about that, going to Barton Hall last year and also in 2015. So we should have known um, that yeah, he would be there, we but we're going to, we're going to reach out to Howard and see if he maybe wants to come on and talk with us about what the experience is like of actually seeing dead and Co at Barton hall. Cause I'm sure that's going to be amazing, but no promises there. Howard's a, a, he's a busy guy and he also just came out with a book. So I'm sure he's got a bunch of other responsibilities <laughs> in that regard, but, um, we are going to, to break down the jazz fest show. But before we do, um, we were supposed to have our Dave's picks, volume 46 episode going up today. Um, it arrived for to both of us. I think I have it right next to me. Um, I do. It arrived to both of us um, last week, but then some life stuff got in the way and we had to delay a little bit. So Dave, unfortunately you lost your grandpa. I'm very sorry yep. about that. Um, I appreciate it. He lived a, a good long life though.
1: There's no yes, doubt about he,
0: that. Yeah,
1: he was, he was in his mid nineties. It was time. Um, and you gave... Very nicely gave me the opportunity to, if I wanted to share a story with him to kind of live on through this community, um, to do so. And I would happily take advantage of that, um, on the drive up to the airport to fly out and, uh, say goodbye to him. I was listening to what you just held up Dave's picks 46 and disc three begins with he's gone and I was like, I don't want to put that energy out into the universe. <laughs> so I did not play disc three on the drive up. But after he had passed and I had flown back, I was like, you know, I'm, I want to listen to this and accept that. Um, and there's the line, um, cat on a tin roof, dogs in a pile. And it made me think of this story of him. He taught our entire side of the family and all the grandkids how to play the card game pitch. That was his mm. big card game. I um, love that. Game I know too. you know how to play it yeah and uh so that was the game we always played when the family got together and there was the big games at night were my grandma and grandpa and my dad uh he's my mom's dad so their son-in-law and then my aunt's husband their other son-in-law so it was the sons-in-laws pitch game is what (laughs) it was called and that was like the big like big deal pitch game um and there was one sons-in-laws game where the sons, my dad and, and uncle Kyle, who you've heard this name, if you've listened to the show routinely, <laughs> uh, were cleaning their clock. They were just winning every hand, winning every trick. And there was one game after a couple beatdowns where the beatdown was continuing and the score was 10, nothing. You can get up to four in pitch, but usually you get three. So they went mm-hmm. four, three, three, 10 zip. You only played a 12. So the game's basically over. And my grandma said like, man, I mean, we have just been, been getting beat all night and my grandpa said i've seen sicker dogs than that die what (laughs) What does that mean and they came back and ran the table and they won 12 to 10 and so he's right he i think what we would say today maybe is something like don't call it a comeback Mm. and he just chose a a funny and (laughs) unique way to say it um the more you think about that phrase the less sense it makes but (laughs) (laughs) That is something our family has routinely said. I've seen sicker dogs than that die. And so when I heard dogs in a pile, that just kind of. Well, and then the next line. Uh, And and then the next line.
0: Smile, smile, smile.
1: Exactly. Yep. So I wanted to share that story with all of y'all.
0: Well, thank you. I appreciate you sharing that. I mean, that is the beautiful thing about a life well Lifts is that, you know, grieving is a part of. You know any loss, but being able to look at it with some happiness and say like, man, that was a hell of a life that that, that person lived. One story about yeah. your grandpa that I can tell is that you used to call him whenever the giants would win games. Yes. <laughs> and um, That actually inspired me to call my grandparents more often than I had then because you and I lived together and I would hear you calling them, calling him every Sunday. But one time you were like, giants didn't win. I can't call my grandpa. And I remember thinking that was so <laughs> funny that it was like, I'd like to call him, but rules are the rules. And um, right. <laughs> Ben McAdoo and the Giants didn't pull it out. So here we go. And yeah, unfortunately, and, that second the, year that we were living together, they did not do a lot of winning.
1: Yeah. And then the Giants went into a run where I would call them kind of maybe on their bye week or, you know, if they played <laughs> on Monday night football, I could still call them Sunday because we knew like the the wins weren't really coming that year. But yeah, that was a, that was a tradition Wow. For like 25 years.
0: Yeah, that's pretty good. That's pretty good stuff. Okay. Well, I guess that's the days between we, this is a shorter episode, so we're not going to do our regular bumps and buffers, but, um, that is, that's a little bit about what's been going on the days between. We're going to be back next Tuesday to talk about Dave's picks 46. Maybe we should have said that off the top, but (laughs) whoops, we'll we'll put it in the show notes and it's it's coming quick. Right. Yeah. We both really, I I think we both enjoyed it. And so we're going to have some positive, uh, notes to share about that, but we're going to get real deep on Dave's picks volume 46 next time. But what we're getting into now is our first DNC in 23. Let's talk about all things May 6th, 2023 at the new Orleans jazz fest. All right. So let's start with the venue. So this was the dead's first and only show at the festival stage at the new Orleans jazz fest. The first time they played the fest. Um,
1: It was also. What was your reaction when they announced that they were going to be a part of this year's Jazz Fest?
0: I was pretty surprised, to be honest. I think me too. I think the last time they played a big festival like this was Bonnaroo in like 2017 or 16. Like it's been a it's been a minute since they've played at a big festival. This year's Jazz Fest lineup was absolutely stacked, and so it was kind of cool that the second Saturday, like a prime day of the jazz fest dead and co were headlining the festival stage. Like they kicked her and lumineers off to side stages at the same time. (laughs) Wow. And those are both big acts. And so I think that just goes to show how big dead and company is. Um, So I guess on that point, it's worth saying like, where is dead and co now? Like we always talk about that with the grateful dead when we do our episodes is like, what, where does this time period find um, the grateful dead? well, where does this tour the beginning of this summer, you know, touring find dead and company. They're one of the biggest touring acts in America. Um, in 2021, Mm. they were the 10th highest grossing live act in the world, which is crazy because they don't play that many shows, you know, like I, I want to say it's like Mm. 35 shows this summer or something like that. I mean, that's like six weeks of touring for um like Ed Sheeran or Coldplay or something like that. And those guys yeah. are on the road for months and months and months. Dead & Co., it's usually like a sustained two or three-month experience, kind of like this summer, mid-May through mid-July. So they are putting butts in seats. They're selling tickets like maniacs. Um And they're out there doing the damn thing, man. I mean, it's it's really impressive how big they've gotten. And I do think that we're living in... Uh, time where the dead have had a resurgence in popularity. And I think that dead and co is a big part of that. I think that Mayer's um involvement and how what an amazing guitarist he is and the the you know him bringing his fans into this yeah. community has has really had an impact in that way.
1: And maybe not even his fans, but younger fans, maybe if you're like the child of a parent who's a deadhead and you see like a musician who's popular in your day and age is excited and honored to be with them. And that might influence you to at least, at least give mom's music or dad's music a chance. Right. And then Mayor can kind of tease you in a little bit.
0: I've seen it myself. My wife is a big John Mayer fan, not a big head. She's gone to many dead and co shows because you know, yeah. at, at the end of the day, number one, she wants to be a part of it. Cause it's like, Oh, I'm going in some of her other friends like you, um, your partner, other people are going. And so she's like, Oh, okay, well I'll be a part of it. But also because she's like, John Mayer going to be there. He's devilishly yeah. handsome and <laughs> has a great singing voice that I've loved for 20 years. So, you know, I do think that's a, a big part of it. Um, so yeah, last year and the year before I, I in my opinion, I've listened to a lot of dead and Co. shows. I think those are the two best tours they've ever done as far as night in night out, consistency, taking more chances, even last year, especially, but also 2021, the inventiveness that they're bringing to their set list at this time, and shout out to Matt yeah. Bush for that because he's the one who's who's the architect, they just do some wild shit with their with their playlists now, with their set lists. And it's awesome because it makes it so that it's like night to night. You have no idea what to expect. You know? Yeah, I know. like like um, I mean, I'm trying to think of some fun examples, but like the first one that comes to mind, I guess, is that Wrigley show in 2021 where mm-hmm. after drums in space, they did help slip Franklin. Yeah. And it was like, what the fuck you're allowed to, this is legal. You're allowed to do this.
1: <laughs> and um, a set one Althea opener that same night. And that's yeah. so cool.
0: Uh, one more Saturday uh, night to close set one. And then their encore that night was, um was touch into broke touch down palace. Yeah. Right. It was, I think it was both. It was a one, two punch um or, or vice versa. It might've been broke down into touch, but I think that is what it was it was broke down palace and then touch of gray but the that's just like one example they've been doing much more of like china without rider well no not that but but scarlet well, without or fire something like scarlet, fire without scarlet china
1: scarlet <laughs> yeah. china ride of fire you know something yeah. like that yeah uh, that
0: that wrigley tw- like two-stop event in 2021 one of them they did i think estimated China rider eyes or something like that. Or it might've been lost sailor estimated eyes. Um, Santa Same Santa circumstance. Santa. so yeah, I don't know like that. They get really, they've been getting really kind of extra interesting with their set lists. It's really fun. And, um, yeah, and then there are still some of those good old standbys. Like, if you're going to a Sunday show, there will be a Samson and Delilah. If you're going to a Saturday <laughs> show, you're going to get one more Saturday night at some point, whether it's yeah. to close the show or the encore or at that Wrigley show to close set one. Um, I, this Jazz Fest show, they they only played one set, um, but drums was pretty early in it, and it made me wonder. Something that Bruce Hornsby apparently wanted the dead to do in the 90s was open a show with drums in space, which is... <laughs> so chaotic yeah but it would be really interesting to walk into a show and then they come out and they start (laughs) with drums you'd be like what where am i um i don't think that they would do something that dramatic
1: but i don't think so either um i also noticed that from the set list at the jazz fest it was called beam in drums and there was no Mm -hmm. space and it's probably because they're at a festival and they're not going to do a 20 minute <laughs> space, but I mean, <laughs> beam, right? So I didn't yeah. know if that was maybe, if that's something to look out for, like Mickey going solo on the beam rather than a, a traditional space last um,
0: year, a lot, he would do a, like a beam or it would be like drums beam space. Like he would, there would be a time when the mm. drums would leave and it would just be him on the beam. And he broke strings on the beam like a lot last year. Cause he was going ham. <laughs> There's one where he was licking the beam. He gets real wild in these shows. So that's something definitely to, to look out for. Um, we also talked about how Jay or sorry, how Bill Kreutzman is not performing with dead and co this year. We should say that his very capable replacement is Jay Lane who has been drumming with Bob Weir since 1994. I mean, that's a 30-year partnership. He's the drummer in the Wolf Brothers, and he played a lot of last year because Bill was having health issues. Yeah, he played like
1: 60% of the shows. Like, if you went to a Dead & Co. Company, Dead Co show last year, there's it's more likely than not that you saw Jay Lane um, as the drummer. Jay Lane also,
0: um, little-known fact com, a website that I run, uh, where you can vote on the best performances by Dead & Company. The number five performance of all time and the number one rated performance from last year is a song that Jay was on the drums for. So, I mean, the guy's got chops. The other thing is he drums much faster than Billy. So you'll notice right. he will drag them to a faster tempo. And I think that's a big thing that people talk about with Dead & Co. is they don't like how slowly they play. I like it. I mean, it's just, it's different, but the band evolved in many ways over the 30 years that the Grateful Dead existed. Why wouldn't this band have something different that they're doing in addition to, of course, you know, just the different musicality that people like Oteil, who's a classically trained jazz drummer playing bass and John Mayer, who's a pop, but also kind of blues guitar player. Um, they're gonna bring their own thing and put their own stamp on this band. But that's kind of Jay's stamp. He he gets them to pick up the pace. The song that he that I'm talking about is Deal from Cincinnati, which you just heard in the intro to this episode, actually. That's our what we're gonna use for the intro on these DNC episodes. He picks up the pace pretty he makes it pretty okay. spicy. Um and so I think that we might get some some more up-tempo versions this summer with Jay um back there behind the kit. But but we'll see. So I mean. Any other notes that you have about like where the band is as we enter this tour?
1: No, I can't think of anything. Um,
0: we should shout out Otiel because we haven't really talked about him very specifically, I guess, yeah. but he's a tremendous bass player. Um, he also has a great singing voice and the way that he sings the songs that he does sing, um like I think for me, most notably Stella Blue and uh, Fire on the Mountain. um,
1: I think he does he does high time, too with them, right?
0: Yeah, I think um, so yeah he does um he's he's got a great voice and so i I don't know i just i love this lineup everyone brings their own thing to the table and they're they're all really good and they all play really well together
1: so if you want to watch a musician have just a blast on stage watch O'Teal like just kind of spin around while he plays bass he has like a shit-eating grin on his face from like the first note to after they walk on stage for the encore. He just is loving life so much while he grooves on the bass.
0: Yeah, he has a great time. It is infectious when you watch O'Teal up there grooving. Um, Okay, so I was a bit premature earlier when I said let's talk about the venue, but now let's talk about the venue. <laughs> the Festival Stage in New Orleans. This was the first time Dead & Co has played in Louisiana since they played at the Smoothie King Center in 2018. Only their second time playing in Louisiana as a band. Dead & Co was formed in 2015, so about 8 years of shows and they've only played here twice. Um still holding a grudge about being busted on Bourbon Street. So, um the last time we heard from Dead & Company was at playing in the Sands 2023. They treated us to three great nights of shows. I think all of those concerts are really great. They had some cool feature acts. Winona Judd, the guys from Goose came out and joined them um, at times. So uh, I think mostly during drums and then Bob joined Goose during their set. So um, that's what we had there. It seemed, everyone seemed to have had a really good time at playing in the sand after it was canceled the year before. So that was really good. Um, So we, as we said, we're going to be talking to our boots on the ground throughout these episodes. We, we poked around and we learned from some of our boots on the ground for this show that it was a rainy crappy morning in new Orleans. Um, so the jazz fest schedule got pushed back a little bit. The first band was supposed to hit the stage. It was George Porter. Um, he was supposed to hit the stage around 1130. He didn't end up going on until 1230. And then his set was shortened. And like the three bands between him and dead and co all had to play condensed sets. Mm-hmm. Um, to make it work. Uh, George Porter jr. Got rave reviews for his performance. He was supposed to play a set last week with his band, the revivalists, but, um, he lost his voice the morning of the show, which is brutal. And so they had that to cancel sucks. it. Yeah. And so he brought the revivalists out for two songs during his set, which was pretty cool. Everyone seemed to really, really enjoy that. Um, and then the preservation hall jazz band effectively opened for dead co with a mid afternoon set. Which I thought was pretty cool. In 1968, the Preservation Hall Jazz Band played to open for the dead for three nights, uh, August 30th through September 1st at the Fillmore West. So 55 years later, none of their members are the same now, but there's still that shared DNA of um, Bobby and Mickey are seeing these guys that they played with or a band that they played with long ago. Uh, the preservation hall jazz band, if you don't know the preservation hall is a legendary spot just off bourbon street in the French quarter where there are shows like, I think there are two or three shows a night that these guys play. I went with my father-in-law when we were there in January and had a great time, just killer musicians. So that was pretty cool that like that's the opener. Um, and then, as I said, on other stages, simultaneous to dead and co were her, who is a like kind of R and B hip hop artist. And, um, and the Lumineers, who I adore, but I'd be choosing Dead Co over, over the Loomis. <laughs> so that's what was going on at this venue. Um, any other notes, Dave, about New Orleans? About what was, you know, you've never been to Jazz Fest, have you?
1: I've never been to Jazz Fest. Been in New Orleans a few times. Um, what a great city. The best yeah. time to go is the week before Mardi Gras. If anyone's interested, go like early February. Cause the city is ready. The energy is there and none of the tourists are there. So you get to do all the fun stuff with no wait in line, no crowds. And uh, yeah, it's a, it's, tr- it's a unique novel experience to spend time in new Orleans. Um, but no, I have never been to jazz fest.
0: I have not either, but my sister, the famous Moat, who's been talked about on this show mm. many times, uh, she went to Loyola, New Orleans for her first year of college, and she went to Jazz Fest that year. The headliners were Al Green and Bruce Springsteen, and she still wow. talks about how awesome those shows were. Bruce played. These shows are like from like f- the Dead, or Dead and set at least was from 4.30 to 7. They were the last show of the night, and apparently Bruce played until midnight. <laughs> he was just like, I'm not leaving the stage, <laughs> so we're just going for it. Um, which is really, oh, really wow. cool. Um, is cool. So I would like to go to the New Orleans jazz fest someday. If I could, it seems like a great thing. And also music is just like so baked into that city's DNA. You yeah. cannot go two blocks without seeing signs for live music, seeing someone playing music or seeing like a statue or a painting of fats and Louis and any of those legends um, from, from years past and and from the present. Um, so yeah, I think it's really cool that Dead and Code did this as a one-off, and and now let's talk about the set list. So, uh, Dave unfortunately couldn't listen to any of this show; he had bigger fish to fry, as we just talked about. I listened to some of it. But let's go through the set list uh, one at a time. They open with Truckin', um, again
1: Weird. busted
0: down on Bourbon Street.
1: But it makes sense, yeah. Yeah.
0: Um. So that's probably why they open with that. But yeah, very unique to have a, a Truckin' opener. Yeah. A very familiar song in the second slot, "Shakedown Street." Um, I feel like they often play that as the second song of the night, so I wasn't particularly flabbergasted to see that one number two on the set list. Number three up was "Brown Eyed Women." I just missed this song. I tuned in as they were starting "He's Gone," which is the song that they played. They played, excuse me, they played "Brown Eyed Women" into "He's Gone." And, um, I was really bummed because for me, I think Brown-Eyed Women and Althea are the two songs that Mayer has most definitively put his stamp on and that are like the Dead and Company versions are great. Like of those, those are the two songs for me where it's like, if someone was, you know, ahead and they're like, oh, I don't really even care about Dead and Co. I'd be like, go listen to the Brown-Eyed Women from Raleigh in 2021, or go listen to the Althea from City Field in 2019 and, and tell me that you don't feel it. Like they've got something going with these songs. Um, and the reviews of the Browned women, I found a few online. People were like, man, that was awesome. Maybe the highlight of the set. So, uh, I know I just missed it. So, um, that's pretty cool though. Um, I'm glad that they busted that one out. Um, then into "He's Gone" as I said, I did hear "He's Gone." It was a really bluesy version. Like even even within the context of Dead & Co., which is a pretty bluesy band because Mayer is such a blues head, um, it was it was really good though. Um, and then it went into Cumberland Blues, which was even better in my opinion. There were fantastic solos from Mayer and then Kementi in like the middle part of of Cumberland. And you know, I know you love this song, and it was just it was a it was a cooker. So that was really great. Also, fantastic backing vocals from O'Teal during that song. I think that they had him a little bit louder in the mix, like his background vocals, um, yeah, than in years past. And I really enjoyed him singing um on that song. Next up was playing in the band. That like opening pop, like bow, like that just first note of playing in the band. And I'm so sorry for how off key that just was, (laughs) but that opening, that opening like intro to playing in the band just always puts a smile on my face, especially when you're listening to something live and you don't know what's coming next. And yeah, that that happens. It's just like, Oh my God, this is just the best. Like they, I mean, I don't want them to actually do this, but just play it every song or every, every show. (laughs) So yeah, I mean, it was a big old plan. I didn't time it but I feel like it must've been about 20 minutes long. Um, oh, they wow. really opened it up and it was great. And then they, they took it into uncle John's band, which is a pretty common thing for dead and co to do. The, the grateful dead did it a good bit too. Um, a lot of times they'll do playing into uncle John's back into plan. Or um, when you and I saw them at city field this past summer, they did playing into uncle John's and then they brought back. Playing to close the, the whole show, show, Yeah. Which means that the entire show was just one long plane in the band. Right. So, um, that was that was a good little segment of the show was playing into Uncle John's and then into as Dave was saying, Beam and drums. This was my favorite part of what I heard in this in this show. Whoa. Okay. So, Why is like, that? Like some of the other drums in space that we've talked about, they did some weird stuff. They brought out the um the Northside Skull and Bones gang, um, led by Chief Bruce Sunpai Barnes. Um, a man who's lived an extremely interesting life. I'm going to put a link to his biography in our show notes, but the Northside skull and bones gang, basically, um, they were formed in 1819 in new Orleans and every Mardi Gras, their members dress in homemade skeleton costumes and call on ancestral spirits from new Orleans and Africa. They gather before dawn. And then prior to marching through the street, they sing songs in Creole and in English, waking up all the citizens of new Orleans You can find a a video of their performance. Um, This song that they sung, I think it's called Too Late to Cry. I don't know. Or Next Time You See Me, I'm not sure what it's called. But it's been in my head for three days since I heard it. It is so catchy. And these guys just crushed it. They had a stilt walker. They're all in their Skull and Bones costumes. And they're all playing different um, percussion instruments. um, While um, O'Teal and Mickey and Jay are playing drums behind them it was so rad and also such a cool like shout out to the culture of new orleans to bring out this band that has 200 years of roots in the city to bring them onto stage onto the stage at the new orleans it's called the heritage and jazz festival um and to bring them out to do their thing was just so cool to me i loved every minute of it and um it also made me become familiar with this guy Bruce Sunpie Barnes who just some highlights Dave of his life he was a US forest ranger for a while okay he was a punter for the Kansas City Chiefs for 2 years whoa okay. <laughs> yeah obviously a musician um and an ornithologist and a naturalist and a photographer he's wow i know a renaissance man Bruce Barnes <laughs> yeah. you legend you and so i just i love that and also like that's the type of guy that Mickey is friends with um, I don't know if you had a chance to take, to see this before we started recording, but Mickey posted that every show on this tour drums in space is going to be influenced by a different like segment of mother nature is I think what he used. Oh, cool. Cornell has an excellent lab, um, about ornithology. Jane, my wife is a member. Um, and we, you know, get a calendar from them every year and just like cool little emails about different birds and, you know, bird habitats and stuff like that. They also certify, um, I think Audubon Society does this too. They certify certain, you know, y- like your house is like a bird friendly house. If you use pesticides that are bird friendly and you put out feeding or you put out bird seed and bird baths, you have like natural water features and the timing of your bird seed is right. So that you're not holding up any birds in their mi- in their migratory patterns. They do really, mm-hmm. really great work. Um, and so it's cool that tonight's Drums in Space is going to be with um, like basically larded with bird song. Um, there's going to be different bird songs throughout it as a shout out to Cornell. Um, so it's cool that that began, I guess, like before they even started doing that, the first person that they brought out during drums in space is this naturalist who is a U.S. forest ranger for years and mm-hmm. years. He's taken photographs of all these amazing features of nature. It's just kind of a fitting kismet type of moment. Um, that yeah, I really dug. That's wild. Pretty cool. So uh, after that, they went back into drums. The Skull and Bones gang left the stage. um, And then they went into Not Fade Away. Then that into the other one, into Standing on the Moon, back into Not Fade Away to close it out. Pretty good set list. I mean, obviously very condensed because they they only had so much time to play. Um, If they would have taken time to do a set break, that probably really would have like really would have condensed things. Um, So I think that with the time they had, I'm a fan of the set list. Like I said, Browned Women is one of my favorite Dead & Company songs, like one of my favorite songs for them to play. So I love that. I love when Cumberland Blues is in the set list. You get two big jam vehicles and playing in the band and the other one. And I think that Not Fade Away is a super satisfying way to end a concert, but especially at a festival. It's so easy to pick up on the clap 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 when you're in the audience and it's a really cool thing to be in that mind meld state that you're in when you go to a concert and singing know our love will not fade away as a group um it's Mm -hmm. just a, a powerful thing and i think that doing that to close out um to close out this festival set is just really great so I'm very here for it. I think it was a, a good set. What do you have any thoughts about the setlist? Un, un, again, unfortunately, you weren't able to listen to it, but any thoughts when you when you hear that 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 set
1: list? Um I mean, the truck and opener just stands out. Um, we talked about beam drums. A, a little surprised at standing on the moon, um, but I mean, I love I love the not fade away sandwich. I think that's yeah. pretty cool.
0: Yeah. I think Standing on the Moon is one of these, like, uh, there are a couple of those that and days between late period, um, dead songs that Bob sings now that have like an extra poignancy when you see this man with a shock of gray hair and a giant gray beard, um, performing it. Um, and, and I, I think that that's a really one that dead and code do really well. So I was also, um. Maybe a little bit surprised just because it's a deeper cut, but um, yeah,
1: that's, I think that's more my point. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Like, um, you, you know, you start off off the top truck in one of their most well-known songs, shakedown street, another very well-known song of theirs. Brown eyed women, a little bit of a deeper cut, but not a deep, deep cut. Um, and then, you know, yeah. Playing. And yeah, the I, other
1: one. I guess my, to my point to wrap it up, I'm surprised for in a short festival set touch of gray was not played. Oh, that's my point.
0: Yeah, that's fair. I mean, they're not really, they've never really been one to like, oh, we're going to just play the hits. So, um, right No, I know. Yeah. But obviously, yes, you, you would know these things, Dave, (laughs) but I mean, I'm just saying like, I didn't think about that until right now, but I, I guess maybe that is a bit surprising.
1: But I guess on the other hand, to vouch, to come on the other side and vouch for it, we heard the 1991, uh, standing on the moon with some saxophone and it like elevated that song to the stratosphere. So maybe there is some sort of little connection with that song and like jazz culture and maybe the, the fundamentals of jazz music that are way here over my head. Um, Likewise. That, that help and maybe that like bled through a little bit. So that's the, that's the other point I could see to, to argue the affirmative.
0: Okay. I can see it. All right, so let's get into the the last segment of our show, which is um, playing a game called Estimated Profits, as we said off the top. So the band's next show is tonight um, at Cornell, but we we can't really guess that because this episode is going to come out tomorrow, and everyone's going right. to know what they played. So it's more fun if we guess songs that they're going to play on the tour opener. Dave and I had a really funny moment when we went to the Tour opener in 2021. First show back after COVID. Um, you know, COVID is still in the air obviously and I think the Delta variant was like just spiking at that moment in time, but we had tickets and we'd been vaccinated and we were ready to go. Right. And um so we showed up at Raleigh, you know, eyes big, excited for the show. We parked in the wrong lot. I parked in the wrong lot. Dave parked in the right lot, so I didn't even see Shakedown Street. I I was a uh, I was a mess. I didn't know where I was going. And this guy walks up to our car as people do, you know, that's part of the whole thing. Everyone's friendly with one another. Um, and he's like, you guys seen dead and co before we were basically like, no, not really. And he was like, Oh yeah. Set opening sh- uh, tour opening shows usually really suck. We are like, okay, <laughs> how does this help us? What and then doing? he just walked away. Yeah. yeah. I was like, okay, thanks man. Um, Uh, No, he didn't just walk away. He did say one more thing. He was like, but I did see a video of them practicing before the tour, So maybe it'll be better. I don't know. Anyway, good luck. And then like left. Um, He must've seen that we were a bit downtrodden after he said that I (laughs) vehemently disagree. The 2021 uh, tour opening show in Raleigh was
1: a burner. Yeah.
0: Um, There are a bunch of songs from that show that I still think about. And the opening with touch of gray after what we had all just been through for the past year and change and singing, we will get by with you know thousands of our closest friends and and family um, was a which pretty I called moment, by though. the way. You did, yeah. So <laughs> let's see how good your estimated prophecy is tonight, Dave. Yes. I'll let you go first. Um, you take a song. I'll take two, like a classic Snake Draft, and then you can close this out with the fourth. So, what what do you think is like the most chalk guaranteed song that they're playing on the first night of the tour?
1: On the first night of the tour you know, they did touch a gray in 2021 and it makes sense. They did let the good times roll to open last year in yep. Hollywood. And I think that's a strong candidate, but it's actually something that you said earlier in this recording that is really, really getting me the premonition to know what they're going to play. And that is in set one, they're going to play the music never stopped because they know it's the last tour and they're going to send the message early that, Yes, it's the last tour, but don't worry. The music will live on. Music never stops going to be in set one.
0: Love it. Great prediction. i um, very here for it. I'm going to make this prediction. And if it doesn't come true, I'm just telling you right now, because I'm going to have the first pick next time. I'm calling it again for night two if it doesn't happen, because it's definitely coming. I don't even one know of the two if you're nights. allowed to do that. <laughs> I'm calling I'm just... my shot right now. I'm like Babe Ruth. <laughs> They're going to play West LA Fade Away.
1: Ooh, that makes a lot of sense.
0: They played it last year in L.A. Um, I'm pretty sure they played it last year in L.A. at Dodger I Stadium. I don't think so. I don't think it was no? in that
1: opener set list that I
0: just peeked at. Okay. Well, they played it at the Hollywood Bowl the year before, um, and it was a great version. And I think that they do like to do songs where there's a, a name check you know, of the audience. Um, and the fact that they didn't play it last year actually makes me think even more that they're going to play it this year because they don't want to bring it back First time around last year. And they're like, ah, these people just heard West LA fade away last year. But now this year, it's been a two-year layoff almost. Um, 21 rooms, but one will do. Let's get some West LA fadeaway in the set list. I don't know when it's gonna happen. I think it's anyone's guess with this band. They they'll they'll put it wherever they want. But that's my <laughs> prediction is West LA fadeaway number one.
1: I can confirm uh no West LA fadeaway. On Dodger Stadium last year. Dodger Stadium 2022. Okay. Uh, my second selection
0: it's tough because what they play tonight we have no idea and right. <laughs> um it's definitely going to influence what they would play in LA but with that being said dave um I, I think they played fire i think they played scarlet fire last year in dodger stadium if i remember correctly um dodger stadium is literally on a mountain in la so um, last
1: year set 2 went Althea, Scarlet, China, Rider, Fire,
0: man, yeah. So that's what I'm talking about with these sellists. Um, so I don't think that they're going to do um, Scarlet Fire. So I'm going to say that I think they're going to do an estimated eyes. So on the first estimated profits game, I'm taking estimated profit as my yeah. Second that selection. Was,
1: that was my pick. I mean, it just made it was it made too much sense to not take it. Um, well, then I think you leave me no choice but to take u.s blues as the encore and the song that they'll close it out with um and those are my my two guesses um i was gonna guess estimated um i thought for a hot minute about terrapin because it looks like they haven't played terrapin in la in a little while Mm. but i'm feeling a little more strongly too you know it's a It's a Friday. We all know what the encore is going to be on the second show. Mm -hmm. It's going to be one more Saturday night. So they're going to stay away from that and do us blues Friday night.
0: Love it. So again, if you want to play along with us, um, tweet at us, send us a note on Instagram, send us an email, whatever you want to do. Um, but we need to know what your selection is before the show starts. We can't get like at the end of the tour, a spreadsheet where you show us what you chose for your two every night. We got to know that you've got these in on time. Um, Maybe just tweet hashtag estimated profit and then tag us in it and and say what your two selections are. We'd love for you to play along. What we're going to do is at the end of the tour, anyone who has a higher score than either of us, you don't have to beat us both. Just one of the two of us. um, We will send the the highest scoring person who beats us uh, a big old care package. You'll get a working man's pod shirt, some stickers, and we're going to pick up some stuff along the way on shakedown street just for you. We're going to be thinking about what are some cool things that this person might want. And and we're going to include those in the package as well. So we'll have a big old care package to whoever, whoever has the highest score and estimated profits. And guess what? If no one beats us, which is so doubtful, if you guys play (laughs) along, one of you will beat us. Absolutely. Um, Then um, if no one beats us, we'll just do it to the person with the highest score. So uh, definitely uh, chime in, send us a note with what you think you're going to be doing. We're going to post about it on Instagram. We're going to post about it on Twitter. But, um, but yeah, definitely play along with us. It's one of the most fun things about the tour is trying to pick what songs, I mean, every shakedown I've ever been on every time I've been waiting on a lawn or whatever for the show to start, that's where the conversation goes, right? Is what do you think they're going to open? with? Absolutely. (laughs) And so let's, let's play together. Let's make this, uh, uh, something that we can all do online, whether you're couch touring or whether you're on tour, whether you're on the lot when you're listening to this. Um, come join us for it. So this was a bit of a longer episode because we had to, you know, introduce introduce what we're doing. We had some stuff to talk about, but the next one is going to be it's going to be tight. These are going to be twenty three minutes or less, and we're going to be ripping through these concerts. But we are both so excited for the Dead and Co. Um, 2023 tour. And um, before we sign off, do you have any other last notes for the the good people?
1: No, um, I'm excited for the new artwork for those segments. Um, I'm I'm looking forward to it.
0: Me too. All right. Well, that will do it for this episode of DNC in 23 with WP. We'll be back on May 20th, or maybe sooner, um, to talk about Dead and Company's tour opener from the LA Forum. But we'll be back even before that on May 15th to talk about Dave's picks volume 46. Um, thanks for joining us, and until next time, we bid you good night.
1: Good night.
0: Good, good night, night. and I good, good, good
1: night, good night. That's it. That's it. That's it. You got it.